Hi, and welcome to the second episode of the Brooklyn Symphony Orchestra podcast. The clip you just heard was Giuseppe Verdi's Nabucco Overture, and that was a clip from our first concert of the year. I'm Sarah O'Keefe, and I'm going to start by talking a little bit about our next concert, which will be on December 13th at 2 p.m. at the Brooklyn Museum. This concert has been billed as our Unusual Instruments concert. We're playing three pieces that either feature unusual instruments or call on us to use our instruments in unusual ways. First, I'm going to check in with our conductor, Nick Armstrong, about the genesis of the idea for this concert. After that, I'll talk to Jill Jefferson about her perspective on being a player in the orchestra and what it's like to start from scratch on an instrument as an adult. Hi, Nick. Welcome back. Hi, Sarah. Good to be here. So this concert has a special theme, which is not something that we usually do. I can be, once in a while, the kind of music director that will think of a theme and then pull together a program, but themes can be a little arbitrary sometimes. The second one does have a theme, which is unusual instruments. I think it's a really interesting idea, and it's not something that we usually think about as a as an orchestra. Right. It's a very traditional set of instruments. Right. We sit in the same places. We perform essentially the same roles in every concert and to take a new a new tack with that and look at different instruments that we can play with. Right. It's, uh, I, I, I was very excited. I was excited about this because I originally um, was trying to do a banjo concerto just out of the blue and uh, that didn't work out. But by the time I decided to do this, I thought, well, it's an unusual instrument. Let's do an unusual instruments program. So I started out with uh, uh, Gershwin Kibanoja, which is fairly well known. It's not an unusual piece, but he calls for four, uh, four the number four, um, typically Cuban percussion instruments, mm-hmm. and he has them stand actually at the front of the stage as if they're soloists, almost like a concerto for them. Another unusual place for a percussionist. Yes, to stand. exactly. So typically, the whole, they're at the back. Yes, yeah, so typically, you know, you have to wave at them from far away and hope that they're on the same beat that mm-hmm. you are, which our percussionists always are. I have to say, we. That's have what the second violins section. are for, reminding them yes. when to come in. <laughs> that's very true. Very good. Um, so that's the first thing, and then um, I discovered uh, symphonic suite. I was online looking for for music that might work, and I discovered a symphonic suite of the music from Riverdance which is by a a composer named Bill Whelan. Mm -hmm. And Bill Whelan's original scoring for Broadway, actually a London performance that came first, but his scoring was for traditional Irish and Celtic instruments, so fiddles, uh, plucked instruments, harps. And he set about doing this arrangement for symphony orchestra, I think, first of all, because how nice to get more performances of your music. Mm -hmm. But perhaps even more importantly than that, to try and recreate those sounds, but with traditional symphony orchestra instruments. So my feeling that of unusual instruments goes both ways. We are both presenting unusual instruments, and we're also giving a more traditional version of the sounds that traditional instruments would have, or mm-hmm. at least folk instruments would have made. And I also thought that uh, we needed something that was a little bit more familiar than the two pieces we had to complete the program. I was introduced not long ago to a gentleman named Mark Del Priora, who is on the, uh, the faculty of, of the guitar department at the Manhattan School of Music. So we agreed we'd do the Concierto de Aranjet by Rodrigo, which is a very, very famous piece, um, probably the most famous of all guitar concertos. Uh, it has this gorgeous uh, solo for English horn in the second movement. It's, again, very rhythmical. It's, you, I, I always imagine the audience is standing up in the first movement just dancing in the aisles of the theater. And I hope they will. That would be fun if they did that. We should remind them at the concert. Yes. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's the impetus for the second one. Excellent.
So now I'm going to be talking with Jill Jefferson. She's one of our longtime viola players. Hi, Jill. Hi, how are you, Sarah? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? I'm great, thank you. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about your history with the orchestra. How long have you been playing with us? I think I've been playing with the orchestra about 13 years. So a little while. A little while, yes, if you call it playing, but yes. <laughs> and why would you say that? Well, I started as an adult. So yeah. when I started with the orchestra, I had probably only been playing, oh, yeah, literally like a year and a half. No way. And there was a woman who is another adult who uh, heard about the orchestra. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, it was summertime, and she said, Jill, there's this orchestra we can go play. And you don't have to, you don't have to um, audition or anything. You just show up and you can play. And I was like, mm, Claire, I don't think that that's probably the case. She's like, no, no, I'm telling you. That's what you do. So she didn't realize those were summer rehearsals. Mm-hmm. So we continued to come afterwards, like when the real rehearsal started. And at the second rehearsal, I think, is when Nick said, oh, by the way, you guys can find the music online. I, I didn't even think it was online at that time. Um, but for the audition. Yeah. And I almost died because I was like, uh, that wasn't an option when I decided to do this. So summer rehearsals are just open. Yes. Anyone who wants to show up can. And then and then we play five concerts for the for the season. So the tradition is you show up for anyone can show up for first rehearsal. Uh, and then by the third rehearsal, you have to audition. You have to audition. Yes. And back in the day when people audition, they don't do this anymore, probably because of what happened with me. Um, they l- literally, it's like right before rehearsal. Mm-hmm. So people are coming in little by little. Um, and at the time, we were still at St. Anne's Church. So we had basically three quarters of the orchestra listening to us audition. Oh, no way. And I panicked and thought, okay, well, Claire panicked and opted out and didn't do it at all. I panicked and was like, okay, I'm going to go last. Because I was like, maybe last, they'll just take mercy on me or whatever, and, and we can do this. So I was shaking so badly at the time, you know, you know when you play vibrato? Yeah. So, um, you know. So you vibrato the whole time? But it was my body. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't my fingers, because I never learned how to do it. I was so scared. And um. then I actually did say to everyone, I was like, you all did so well. I'm so proud of you. By the way, I am an adult student. And I was like, I've only been playing for two years. I'm sure Nick was looking at me like, what is wrong with this person? Um, but yeah, I did it. And he didn't say go away. So I just stayed. That's awesome. <laughs> he didn't say you're in, though. He did not say. No, that was a thing. Yeah, for everyone else. And he gets mad when I tell this story because he thinks that it happened differently, but it really didn't. For everyone else who, who played, mm-hmm. as soon as they finished, he said, welcome to the orchestra. And, yeah. he's, you know, he has such a wonderful... Like, yeah, they said that to me when I auditioned. Oh, we'll see. You in were a, one in of the a lucky room ones. separate from everybody else where nobody got to hear how terrible I was. Yeah. You're one of the lucky ones, yeah. yes. So after I finished... He, there were crickets. He said nothing. Oh, no. So I figured, well, he didn't tell me to leave. Mm-hmm. So I just sat in the back of the viola section, and I've been there for 13 years. So That's awesome. <laughs> what made you pick the viola? Well, interestingly enough, um, I grew up playing the alto saxophone. Okay. So, so you had some experience with music. Yes, but not with a string instrument. Yeah. Which, you know, is completely different. Yeah, it's a beast. Yeah. So when I was... When I in third grade, I picked the alto sax to play, okay. and I loved it. But I loved classical music, so I had probably in seventh grade, I had this music teacher, and he would transpose music for me. Mm-hmm. So it was a, I mean, I grew up in Indiana, and it was a very small group. We didn't even really have a real orchestra of any sort. 
there were literally like 10 string instruments, the trombone, and me and the saxophone, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> and so he would transpose the music for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was playing all this beautiful classical music on my alto sax. Yeah. And I just loved it. But then, you know, you start playing instrument for so long. And you think, oh, I'm not going to switch over. I'm not going to do it. And I never did. Yeah. And I played through high school and then in college, didn't really play that much. And then um, on my 35th birthday, <laughs> quite a few years later, I finally said, you know what? I'm going to take um, string lessons. And at the time, I the first thing I thought of was a violin. Mm-hmm. Which Obviously. I think that's, yeah, but I pl- I played that for absolutely one day. Okay. And I couldn't take the high voice. It was too much. Mm. So my teacher at the time, her name was Romy Petrova, and um, she is a Bulgarian woman and just really just lovely. And so I said, Romy, I know it's my first lesson. I said, but I cannot take the screeching of this instrument. I said, is it going to get any better, like, soon? And she's like, Jill, I think you should play the viola. <laughs> that's a horrible Bulgarian accent. <laughs> And I was like, I'm game. <laughs> so I was renting the instrument. I took that one back. I got a viola. I came back, put a little rosin on. And even though I still couldn't play, I loved the voice. I loved, like, the tone and the human voice. And it was mm-hmm. just beautiful. And I thought, okay, this is what I'm thinking. That was I thinking of in the first place. So that's how I started playing the viola. Oh, so it fit you. Yeah. A lot of people start out on the violin and switch to viola. That's a very common thing. I actually wanted to play the viola in the fourth grade after I heard my orchestra teacher play Star Wars on the viola. So (laughs) I was in the fourth grade, so I assumed that was the only instrument you could play Star Wars on. You were like, I want that instrument. And then they handed me a violin instead. (laughs) So here I am. So now you you can play Star Wars still, right? Yeah, yeah. I I found out pretty quickly that it transferred (laughs) over. Do you know any good viola jokes? I know horrible viola jokes. It's the, it's the stepchild of the string instruments, I mm-hmm. think, right? That's the reputation, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking about this today because uh-huh. I feel like violas don't get enough of the spotlight. Yes. And I was thinking about viola jokes, so I looked some up. You didn't. Can, can I read some to Please. you? Please. They kill me, but yes. Go ahead. Okay. How is lightning like a violist's fingers? Neither one strikes in the same place twice. <laughs> Now, see, I shouldn't be laughing. How do you keep your violin from getting stolen? Put it in a viola case. <laughs> How do you get a viola section to play spiccato? Write a whole note with solo above it. Now, see, I think those are horrible. <laughs> they are. They're funny, but like, do why? you know? Do you know that there's a whole web page devoted to these? I had no idea. But this is what I don't understand. There's a cello. There's, there are so many other instruments. Why yeah. viola? Why viola? Why is it? Why is everyone so hard on the viola? I don't know, and it's such a beautiful instrument. So it really I just is. understand. Even though I do laugh because they're funny. <laughs> okay, so I've got another one. Okay. Why is it that violas never get hemorrhoids? Because all the assholes are in the violas. <laughs> okay, you know what? That one I'm keeping. Yeah. <laughs> that like. one I'm going to remember, and I'm going to like say it all the time. I love that. <laughs> There's your comeback. I like it. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> so so this is our Unusual Instruments concert. Uh-huh. So we're playing a classical guitar piece. Um, we're playing Gershwin's Cuban Overture, which is very percussion heavy um, and has a lot of really interesting like maracas and, and uh, they're going to be up front. And then we're playing River Dance. Love it. It's so much fun, oh isn't it? Oh my God, it? I love it. So we get to fiddle. And right. we don't ever get to fiddle. 
were a symphony and very structured, very structured <laughs> orchestra people like structure. We like to see, you know, don't want to listen up notes on the page, nothing else. It's like, you know, it's like doing a Shakespeare play. You say you say what was written and you don't mess around. The appropriate lines. That's it. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's gospel. And so we're sitting yesterday in rehearsal right. and Nick tells us to play notes that aren't on the page. Right. And um, you guys all look perplexed. I do it all the time. It was I've never <laughs> seen everyone's kind of are you sure? And you know, play open strings. Right. Violinist strings in general, we try not to play the open strings too much cuz you can be a little screechy. Right. Um, and when you play as a big group, you want to sound you want to minimize the screechiness as much as possible. So play open strings, play odd notes. And he also said something about um, don't be as he didn't say structured, but he said as um, what was the word that he used? Folksy. Yeah, he said I wanted you to be more folksy. Yeah. As opposed to being a skilled, meaning mm-hmm. you know, really focusing on that. Which of course, when he said that, I was like, you just all those things, open notes, chords, quirk chords, yeah. you know, little quirks here and there, other notes that are not on the page. That's mm-hmm. that's me all over it. That's why I love I love this this piece. And it's actually really it's beautiful. It really is. Yeah. Being a fan of classical music, what surprised you about playing in a in a big group like that you that you uh didn't think would be there when you started out? Well, I would tell you, and this is gonna sound a little weird, but I think playing in a big group is a bit easier. I started out when I first started playing the viola, um, with my teacher, Romy Petrova. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I played in a quartet. And as you know, you're in a quartet, you are beyond exposed. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, you're like, you're just out there. Every note, everything you play. But in an orchestra, I always say, I always tell, you know, the other violists, I'm like, you guys make me play so much better. <laughs> now, I don't know if I'm hearing them or if I'm hearing myself, probably <laughs> hearing them most of the time. But you do, because you, you can hear the different voices. Yeah, you really do feed off of each other. Yeah. So I really love that part the most, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also allows you to play things that are a lot more challenging mm-hmm. um, that, say, if you were in a quartet, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to do because, again, you're so exposed. Yeah, yeah, but, for sure. Yeah, so I, I enjoy that. Cool. <laughs> and hopefully, you know, after another 15 years of playing, something will happen. Where I'll actually... You'll go back to chamber? <laughs> no. No, no. I, no, I maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not. I would always be in the orchestra, but mm-hmm. I do love chamber music. Yeah, playing in a big orchestra has always appealed to me much more than a than a small group because of everything you just said and the feeling of being in this big group of people making one very wonderful noise when right. we do ma- when we do make wonderful noise exactly. when it's going well <laughs> is I imagine how some people feel in church. Absolutely, like it's, 100%. it's very uplifting. And yeah. I think Nick has said that in rehearsals before. You know, this is this is as close as this we get to spiritual. Yeah, for exactly. Some of us. For, for some of us. No, I agree. I think that it it really moves you. And what I love is there's be some pieces that we play that when we first start practicing, I won't say that I don't love them, but I just don't I don't feel it yet. Then after three or four rehearsals, five rehearsals, you're so connected to that piece. They become familiar. They do, and and you hear the different voices and. And it's all coming together so much better. And it, it just, you feel that synergy. And it's, it, it's pretty amazing what happens, I think. So, Jill, what do you do outside of the orchestra for work? 
Yeah, I work in communications and financial services on Wall Street. So yeah. definitely not as exciting as the orchestra, but fun nonetheless. Not quite as artsy. No, not quite as artsy at all. I think, actually, I think if you look, that's one of the things I love about the orchestra so much. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I love that you find people of every age, of every background, different speak different languages, you know, um, but that they all do, I mean, some of the things they do are fascinating. I'm always excited because I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's such a great career. Yeah. Um, artists and, you know, they're teachers. And, but I, yeah, I do communications, so I work in web communications mostly. Okay, wonderful. Very cool. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a contingent of people who work in finance in various ways. I'm actually one of them. Exactly. Um, and then a number of people in the arts and a lot of teachers. We have our... our Wonderful uh, Dana Villarreal, who uh, is recording us right now. Um, exactly. Works in this very cool recording studio. Multi-talented, I tell you. Very multi-talented yeah. people. I um, thought, I used to be a lawyer a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, I need to do something a little bit more creative. Yeah. So somehow fell into communications. And then I was like, I still need a little bit more creativity in my life. I guess that's why I started playing the viola. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, what's been the most challenging thing about picking up an instrument as an adult? I, I, I think it's really fascinating that you did this, um, in part because I know so many people who say they're going to or want to or, oh, I, I'll play the cello one day or I'll play right. the guitar. I'll, you know, it would be great to pick this up. You actually did that right. and have been playing in a symphony for, for 13 years. Um, and it didn't take you very long to get into it. What What's been the most challenging thing for you? I think um, the most challenging thing is sometimes you do get frustrated because, I mean, everyone is so good. Yeah. You know, and I and I joke at, you joke about it, but you know, you guys have been playing since you were two, or you know, <laughs> um, and so I'm just never going to, like, I could practice forever, and it still would take me forever to get to a point where. Um, I sound like I feel like would sound like you know you guys in the or- the rest of the people in the orchestra, and um, so I always the thing that I find sort of frustrating, but also I love. I'll run in, you know, I talk to people all the time, and then or if you have that instrument, you're in the subway, mm-hmm. someone will start talking to you, mm-hmm. and and I I'm not joking, probably once a month, someone will say, oh. You know, I really wish I had played the blah, blah, blah. Yes. And I'm like, why Everybody don't you? That. I'm like, why don't you? Do it. And they're like, no. I said, I think that's the lesson of this podcast. Everybody go out and I agree. get their, you know, instrument they've been, you know, thinking about it could for be years a recorder. for Christmas. It could be a recorder. Yes. <laughs> or harmonica. Yeah. Whatever it is. No, it's true. It really is true. The spoons. The spoons. You know, I think people get to a point in their lives and they think, well, this is it. Mm-hmm. You know, I have the job that I have, you know, you know, that my life is sort of set in terms of what I do. And I've always been of the belief, like, if mm-hmm. you love it, just try. Yeah. Like, look, it's like singing in the shower. You know, the you have to be in an orchestra. The you end up playing the viola. Or you play, yeah. the, <laughs> or you play the viola in front of a whole bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> and don't know vibrato, you know. <laughs> I caught that joke, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> It was a good one, though. I'll have to say uh, that. Like I said, all the assholes are in the, the <laughs> section. 
Thank you so much, Jill, for coming in. Oh, you're welcome. It was fun. This was really fun. <laughs> and thank you for telling us all about uh, the violas. I promise I will. Uh, Don't you have a better appreciation for them now? I do. I'll be I'll be honest. Uh, I've told some viola jokes today, but I love the viola. Um, I've always felt a kinship with the violas Aww. as a lifelong second violiner. Um, <laughs> I think that it's a beautiful instrument and it's too much maligned and deserves uh, fewer jokes. Oh, well, that's okay. Continue. We can take it. We've got thick skins. Those violas. You do. Yeah. You're tough. You're a tough, <laughs> we're tough bunch. We're a tough bunch. <laughs> Please check brooklynsymphonyorchestra.org for more episodes of this podcast as our season progresses. You can also buy tickets there for our next concert. It's December 13th at 2 p.m. at the Brooklyn Museum. Special thanks to Dana Villarreal for production assistance with this episode. I'm Sarah O'Keefe, and thank you for listening. <laughs>